Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. The Jewish holiday of Hanukkah is one of the most well-known Jewish festivals, recognized even by the non-Jewish world due to the prominent displays of Hanukkah menorot and its proximity to the Christmas holiday. It is marked by candle lighting, dreidel playing, family gatherings, gift giving, eating special foods, and a general feeling of warmth and joy. The prominent ritual observance of Hanukkah is the lighting of the Hanukkah candles. And according to the National Jewish Population Survey of 2000 and 2001, 83% of North American Jews light Hanukkah candles. Hanukkah is an unusual holiday in the Jewish holiday cycle. It is not mentioned in the Hebrew Bible at all, explaining that according to the Talmud, in two different places, it says that much of the contents of the Hebrew Bible were compiled by people known as Anshe Knesset Hagadolah, men of the great assembly, a task completed in 450 BCE, and that have remained unchanged since that date. Since the story of Hanukkah takes place around 165 BCE, the traditional version is that it it could not have been included in the Tanakh. Modern scholars are less certain that the reason for not including it in the process of canonization, which finalized in 200 of the Common Era, is about dating. According to most scholars, there are other issues related to the exclusion of Hanukkah from the Hebrew Bible. So, what does Hanukkah commemorate? Well, the traditional story is that Hanukkah commemorates two distinct uh, events— One is the um, rebellion, the success of the rebellion of uh, the Israelites against the um, Greek Syrians. The events of Hanukkah took place around 165 BCE, where a major turning point in the relationship of the Jews with the Seleucid Syrian Greek Empire Uh, that ruled Eretz Yisrael in the Middle East at the time. During the rule of the Seleucid king Antiochus Epiphanes, um, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem was defiled, and certain Jewish practices, such as the observance of Shabbat, were strictly prohibited. This was unacceptable to the Jews, who led by a group of priests called Maccabees, fought against religious persecution. Given their limited resources, they could not create a full-fledged army. So using guerrilla warfare tactics, they managed against all odds to overcome the military superior Seleucid forces. After their victory, they restored and rededicated their center of Jewish life, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. 
This incredible turn of events was not seen purely in military terms, but was understood by the ancients to be the result of God's divine providence. Thus Hanukkah became a day to thank and praise God for God's miraculous salvation. The God who had redeemed the Jews from Egyptian slavery also rescued them from the religious persecution of the Greeks. The rededication of the temple and the lighting of the menorah there were accompanied by gratitude to God for God's remarkable uh, deliverance. In the Talmud, a compilation of teachings between the 3rd and 6th century and redacted in its final form in the 6th and 7th century of the Common Era, we read the following in the section entitled Shabbat. What is the reason for Hanukkah? Our rabbis taught on the 25th day of Kislev. The eight days of Hanukkah began, during which it is forbidden to utilize the dead or to fast. For when the Greeks entered the sanctuary of the temple, they defiled all the sacred oil. When the Maccabeans overpowered them and were victorious, they searched but could find only one cruise of oil that was intact with the seal of the high priest. It contained only sufficient oil to light the temple menorah for one day. But a miracle occurred, and they were to able to light it for with eight days. The next year, they designated these eight days as a festival with the recitation of hymns and praise and thanksgiving. You will note that the text asks the question, what is Hanukkah, and why is it a cause for celebration? The answer differs significantly from that which existed in the book of Maccabees. There it reads, for when the Greeks entered the sanctuary of the temple, they defiled all the oil. When the Hasmoneans overpowered them and were victorious, they searched out and find only one cruise of oil. In the book of Maccabees, the Hasmonean, the Maccabean victory is only mentioned in passing. The focal point is the miracle that occurred in the temple, not on the battlefield. The reason the Talmud gave for celebrating Hanukkah is that a small flask of oil was found intact despite the defilement of the temple, and that the small flask provided sufficient oil to light the menorah in the temple for eight days until more pure oil could be produced. Taken together, the Book of Maccabees and the Talmud state that the holiday of Hanukkah is the anniversary of two miracles brought by God during the month, Hebrew month of Kislev over 2,000 years ago. First, God assisted the Jews in their military endeavor. This, of course, is a theme of several other Jewish holidays, for example, Passover and Purim. And secondly, God caused a small quantity of oil to burn for a much longer period than it should have in the natural course of events. These two reasons for the celebration of Hanukkah make Hanukkah an extremely uh, powerful uh, holiday, but it remains a minor holiday on the Jewish calendar. What has changed, of course, is the interaction between the Jewish people and their Christian neighbors subsequent to the emancipation of the Jews in the 18th century. And now Jews living in Western world in which there is freedom of religion 
confront the notion of Hanukkah and Christmas. This becomes especially uh, challenging in those homes where Christians and Jews have intermarried. With me this morning is Rabbi Rob Murray of Temple Israel of Ottawa to discuss with me what's called the December Dilemma, the dilemma that intermarried families face when Christmas and Hanukkah come at the same time and their stories and traditions pose a problem um, for families raising young children and even for couples who have not yet found their way into parenthood. Rabbi Murray, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, as you heard from the introduction, I explain the origins of the holiday of Hanukkah to our listeners and suggested to them that um, in North America and in other lands where Jewish people have experienced the blessings of freedom and are now uh, faced with a uh, choice about who they marry, they have often chosen to marry people um, of non-Jewish backgrounds, and that poses a challenge to them at times when Hanukkah and Christmas arrive at a similar time, um, but they always arrive in the month of December together. And this challenge in their home life has to do with uh, the dynamics that emerge from two faith families. And so I thought I'd ask you to begin with, um, in your rabbinic life, do you see this uh, phenomenon happening often, and how does it manifest itself? I think many families where in which we uh, celebrate or or two faiths are are present as part of the fabric of the family um, means that uh, it's it's always a um, a balance and a negotiation and a compromise um, in terms of what is going to be celebrated in the home. I think the reason that uh, Hanukkah and and Christmas collide so profoundly is the importance of the Christmas holiday within the context of, of Christian um, uh, life and also in the, the home observances and the commercial observance of, of the holiday you know, in our society uh, writ large. And so when, um, w- w- when the, the family has to make uh, some decisions around what they're going to celebrate, and there's all of these um, sort of competing interests of making sure that both faiths are represented, you know, that, that creates an, an, a, a potential uh, flashpoint for there to be conflict or for one to be uh, sort of more than the other. So what we've seen over, over the course of time is that uh, Hanukkah has risen exponentially in importance on the Jewish calendar. So that in in previous generations, you know, Hanukkah was a fairly minor holiday that people um, observed with the lighting of the Hanukkah menorah, and they exchanged uh, some nominal uh, gift, usually in in coins or or something small, and they ate food that was from uh, you know fried uh, fried in oil of some kind to recognize the miracle of the oil lamp that lasted eight days when it was only supposed to last one. 
But uh, what we've seen is that uh, in order to have kind of an equilibrium, Hanukkah has risen in importance and is often uh, mistakenly sort of referred to as a Jewish Christmas. And uh, there, and and uh, to that end, we have uh, now a circumstance where Hanukkah has major gift giving, lots of decorations, um, and and has taken on lots of the the uh, sort of home practices of what would have been normative for uh, for a Christmas. Um, I'm wondering, as you describe this phenomenon, um, Christmas. Some uh, practicing Christians and certainly ministers um, would say has um, become more of a cultural phenomenon and lost the significance religiously. Um, And Hanukkah, with whatever religious significance it has uh, about the story of the miracle, seems to have now been part of the acculturation of religion to Western society. Um, As neither of them um, form um, a basis for a uh, faithful home, um, does it still pose uh, attention to families? I think it, it poses a, a cultural tension to families, right? So that, um, you know, you, you have the circumstance where, where people in, in the family are now being pulled in, in different directions. You know, uh, this year, for instance, when Hanukkah and Christmas are separated by a couple weeks, um, it's less of a tension. You can, as a family, you will celebrate Hanukkah at the first week of, of December, and Christmas, you know, will be at the end of December, right? So there, there's enough of a, a, a time split that you can, you know, you'll celebrate one and <coughs> then the other. But the, the question also arises about, you know, what is the family narrative, you know? And how will that narrative be passed on to another generation? Correct. And, and so, uh, you know, Pat, trying to pass on both equally has proven, at least statistically and through research, to be quite difficult and ineffective. Although there are many people who manage to, to do that in their own families anecdotally. But the research tells us that that, that, that is really a uh, it poses a series of problems for families and people if they try to do everything equally and then they think maybe the kids will decide later. So that has proven to be effective, at least in a couple of cases where I know of, you know, individually. But on the whole, I think that presents a whole uh, a series of conflicts internally um, for the children as they then have to choose essentially between mom and dad. So... Um, you've raised a couple of interesting issues, uh, which I want to pursue with you. Is it possible for a child to be raised in a home with two equal religious perspectives? And if they're not religious perspectives, if they're simply cultural, societal perspectives, does it matter um, if the celebration of Easter is simply something that happens in a uh, civic Christian religion, and the holiday of uh, Hanukkah is something that simply happens in a civic Jewish religious home. Um, does it really matter what people do? Well, I think one way is, is having a conversation about what matters, what doesn't matter, and the other is to say what's optimal. Ah, 
So that's a great way to rephrase that. What is optimal when you're raising a child? And I I think what what is optimal is uh, uh, giving the child in this very confusing and complicated world that we live in a very clear understanding as much as possible about who they are. And that means also giving them the tools with which to celebrate a, a religious life in of whatever um, version or, or uh, denomination or faith background you choose for your children. And, and so, you know, when we, when we have conversations with, with families, um, you know, for instance, our, our movement many years ago said that um, uh, people who are in our education systems um, for religious school or Hebrew school should really be um, sort of going to only one, and that it shouldn't be something where you go to the, the, the church on, on Monday and the synagogue on Tuesday, and you kind of are, are trained in both. So let me just clarify for the litner, listeners, Rabbi Murray uh, serves as the rabbi of Temple Israel in Ottawa, Canada, and his congregation is affiliated with the Union of Reformed Judaism, uh, what is known as the Reform Movement, the Reform Movement of North American and Worldwide Jewry. And so some would claim that it is the most liberal of the Jewish religious movements. Um, And so you're suggesting in your synagogue um, that you are um, encouraging parents to make a choice, either to raise their children Jewishly or to raise their children non-Jewishly, but not to have a Hanukkah bush and um, a Hanukkah menorah lit on Christmas Day. So this is a really hard issue, and it's a really contentious one, an emotional one for many families. So, you know, I I think that everybody, you know, families and parents need to make choices that are the best for their particular families, uh, for sure. Um, But if we look at the kind of research and the the general trends, they really tell us that um, children will respond best if they don't have to make a choice between this faith or that faith, that if they are fully immersed in a particular faith tradition, that they, they for instance, they, they come to temple, they go to the religious school, they may go to a Jewish summer camp, they'll go to a Jewish youth program, they'll, 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 they'll go to a university in which there's a Jewish program on campus, etc., etc. They'll have all of these Jewish experiences throughout their lives that will lead them to an understanding that faith in Judaism is important in their lives as adults, and they'll live Jewishly as adults. And if parents make that choice to raise the child um, in um, a, a um, religious environment, which, is, which supports only one religion, and we've been talking about the Jewish religion, um, how does the non-Jewish partner um, need to support that, if it is? And how do they deal with their own families of origin who um, want their grandchild or maybe even their um, adult child to remain affiliated and committed emotionally to the holiday of uh, their family of origin? Right. So the you know, I always have conversations with families around making sure that um, parents and and their observances are honored and loved, and um, that 
under no circumstances would it mean that uh, a family couldn't or shouldn't go to grandma's house and celebrate Christmas or auntie so-and-so's and celebrate, you know, Christmas or anything else. You know, that, that being part of the fabric of the extended family is is really an important part of their lives. It's a, it's it's their heritage. It's their connections. It's all of the the things that make up who they are. But I think there is a difference between what you do <coughs> in your own home and the training that is provided and shown to children and seen as um, this is who you are versus this is who um, your aunt or your uncle or your grandmother or whoever is. And, and we are part of that, that extended family, and we're helping them celebrate their holiday. Do you think that um, children, if raised with one particular religious perspective, um, even require both parents to be in sync about that choice? Or can a child have one parent who says, I'm raising you in my faith, and your mother or father is simply neutral about all of that? There are lots of circumstances <coughs> and lots of degrees. There are, um, some in, in some families, there is one parent who is more actively committed to their particular faith, and the, the couple have uh, done and had the hard conversations that say, um, we've decided that because, you know, mom is more actively uh, religious in her faith, our family is going to follow that particular path. And as the non-Jewish, uh, the, 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 the partner who is not particularly connected to their faith, that the other partner will simply be supportive, and, and be supportive in terms of, you know, uh, helping the, the kids as, and celebrating with the kids as they go through their experiences through through the path of uh, celebration of whatever the faith model is um, but that doesn't mean that 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 parents um, own re- religious faith traditions are totally abrogated um, and there are many cases in which you have a family that the one partner and and children firmly believe in, and are, are sort of seen as uh, a particular faith and the other one um, you know, we are celebrating uh, uh, another faith, but but that is not uh, the faith of our, our of the kids or of one of the partners. It, it's certainly complicated, um, but again, you know, there's there's difference between sort of statistics and and realities, and and sometimes the realities, um, you know, if people work and 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 uh, you know do things in in certain ways, it, it can work nicely. So. Accepting that as a paradigm that works, um, that parents can make that choice and that thoughtful choosing parents can communicate it um, to their children um, through the child-rearing ages, does it matter how the parents explain, um, let's stay with Hanukkah for a moment, does it matter how the parents explain Hanukkah? Um, and I guess what I'm wondering is if the parents explain Hanukkah simply as the victory of the Maccabees um, versus um, the miracle of the cod oil and God's intervention in the world of history, um, which for the traditional Jew is a, um, a more powerful story, and for a person of faith a more powerful story, um, 
in choosing um, among the varieties of um, explanations, does the parent in an interfaith marriage um, need to lean more towards the tradition to have it be impactful on their child? I mean, I, I think that it's important to be true to the, the essence of what the holiday is. And uh, I, I think that Hanukkah is an important holiday of uh, self-determination and self-identity and understanding of self and who, uh, who you are. The Maccabees fought hard to uh, maintain their, their freedom of being Jewish. And the, the answery miracle of the oil lasting for eight days you know, is, is something that was added much later in history. Um, you know, if you read through the book of Maccabees, there's no mention of the miracle of the oil at all. It's simply the military victory of the Maccabees over the Assyrian armies. And so, uh, you know, I, I really do think that the, the, the ideas and, and the messages of Hanukkah about, re, about maintaining your sense of Jewish life, of having the freedom to do that, and, and uh, standing up for what you believe in, um, stand on their own, and they don't have to be a competition or a companion to or a reflection of um, the Christmas holiday, which is very different in, in, Christ, in Christian uh, um, liturgy and in the Christian cycle of holidays. So I want to thank you for that. In the time that's available to us, I thought we might end our conversation this morning, if you could explain to our listeners why um, some years Hanukkah and Christmas occur um, so close to each other, and why in a year like this they're almost a month apart, perhaps in a brief uh, overview of the difference in calendarization. So the Jewish calendar works on, it's based on a lunar calendar, but the lunar calendar um, would see a holiday rotating around the uh, seasonal times of the year. And so our, our lunar calendar is adjusted for the solar realities. And so it is pulled back into alignment with the, the various different uh, agricultural or seasonal, seasonal times of the year. So there are a number of there are, there are on a 19-year cycle, there are seven different times in a year where we insert an extra Jewish month. And that allows the uh, holidays to fluctuate between, let's say, you know, the beginning of December, the end of December, um, but not uh, to continue to have Hanukkah that might happen in July. And just to, again, clarify for our listeners, the date on the Hebrew calendar doesn't change. So Hanukkah will be celebrated on the 25th of Kislev. That's the month of the Hebrew calendar. But it will uh, alter in relationship to the solar uh, Roman calendar. Correct. So the, the, the Hebrew dates remain the same as they do for the other holidays. Right. It, it is only when that date happens to appear in the seasonal uh, rotation. Great. Well, I want to thank you for helping us uh, explore a very difficult topic 
I know that many of our listeners will be celebrating Christmas and their neighbors will be celebrating Hanukkah. And some of our listeners will be part of families in which they will be wrestling with how to celebrate uh, Christmas, a seminal holiday um, for Christians, and Hanukkah, uh, a less important holiday, but which has emerged in the North American environment as a truly powerful expression of Judaism. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I want to thank Rabbi Rob Murray of Temple Israel Ottawa for joining us. You can hear a rebroadcast of our show on the CHRI website or download it from iTunes podcast. Uh, for Rabbi Stephen Garten, shalom and have a good day. Shalom.